Blog Talk Radio. Hello again. Um, I lied two days ago. I said I was going to do a show at 3.30 the following day, yesterday, and then forgot to schedule a show. So I'm not doing what I really want to do, which is to allow more people to be available at the moment I do my broadcast so that they could come online with me and we can discuss these issues together. But I'm doing a series of shows uh, telling the story of our election from a psychological point of view. And the last time I spoke, I raised what I consider to be a principle of human functioning and that, and the house stories get shaped, whether they're elections or anything else. And that is that all human beings are born individuals. None of us are the same. Uh, look at a million faces and unless they're identical twins and even that uh, uh, doesn't provide the exception, they're all different. We all have eyes and ears and nose and mouth. Uh, we all have what appears to be a human face, but the faces are different. So they're the same in their humanity, but different in their individuality. I believe that brains and personalities are exactly true of the same. And because we're all different, we come into the world as a unique individual but have to fit into a family and a school and a culture, a religion and a larger society, uh, there's going to be conflict. Uh, our individual desires, needs and perceptions uh, will come into conflict with uh, those of other individuals and the norms, uh, expectations, religious and otherwise, of that society. So politics is the means by which we solve differences of opinion and work out conflicts. So politics is an essential part of uh, the human story, and that politics will shape our personalities as we grow and as we become individuals, for better or for worse. And I described three kinds of politics, the authoritarian, totalitarian, the democratic, and anarchistic. And I want to discuss in today's show uh, some of the aspects, I'll, in the future I'll do more of this, of the authoritarian politics. The authoritarian politics, well, first, I need another principle before I get to that. One principle is that of the universality of conflict and politics uh, as the universal process of resolving conflict. The other is the human need to be a scientist and the human need to be a moral authority. Human beings are essentially, essentially survive by understanding how the world works around them, being able to describe it, being able to uh, come up with ideas about how things work, and ultimately form some means of control over the events of their life so that there's always enough to eat, uh, that there's a way of defeating illness, that there's a way of dealing with our children and each other uh, in a way that uh, we wish things to work out. So we're all scientists. Uh, we're all economics professors. We're all, but, but we're, as a scientist, most of us are amateur. We don't study the mechanism of science. 
But also, all human beings are essentially moral. Now, before you jump up and down and say, what does that mean? That's not so. Hitler wasn't moral. Yes, Hitler was moral, and his minions were moral in their own system of justification. All human beings are essentially moral in the need to justify and be seen as doing good and right. Because as scientists, we understand that we all bleed red. That when we hurt somebody, they will feel pain. This is essential to our uh, uh, structure of awareness and, and knowledge about the world around us. This does not mean we all share the same moral code. This doesn't mean that we all do what we believe to be right all of the time, or even part of the time. But whatever we do, we will justify. We will seek to justify and find uh, explanations and find a power to justify what we are doing and make it seem to ourselves and others as moral. So that the ability to seek power over the other people is to not only morally justify one's actions and find external forces and explanations to make it appear normal or moral. But each of us participates in a larger moral truth that allows us to justify our actions in one way or another. In the authoritarian system, morality trumps, and I'm using that word, <laughs> trumps uh, science. What I learned as a psychologist when I realized that mental, so-called mental illnesses were in fact not medically based, they were judgments of behavior, judgments of behavior, that this behavior was right, this behavior was good, this behavior was healthy, and therefore they were moral in nature much more than they were explanatory on a scientific basis. And as I began to think about this over the years, it became clear to me we do this all the time. We understand the behavior, often of ourselves and those around us, in very small ways. I'll give you an example, easy example. We're riding along the street in our car, and somebody cuts us off. And we say, what an asshole. Now, the word asshole clearly is a condemnation of the person driving the car. But if we ask why the person cut us off, we find ourselves in some wonderful circular reasoning. Because he's an asshole. He's an asshole because he cut us off. He cut us off because he's an asshole. This seems to operate in almost every aspect of human life. The ability to make a moral judgment, to declare ourselves morally superior, and therefore justified in what we do to those over whom we have power. And those who are under that power morally justify and accept what is done to them using a moral uh, 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 terminology uh, to... to uh, remain in the hierarchy, in the ever-present hierarchy of authoritarian and totalitarian systems. 
My wife and I are currently watching a series we're enjoying very, very much about the English monarchy and, and the time of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Um, wonderfully done, wonderfully acted, in which there's a rigid hierarchy uh, within the royal family and the structure of royal functioning. And the words used are very, very important. She is addressed as your majesty. Those just below her are your lordship, your ladyship. The people who serve them are totally deferential and never critical. Now, what's interesting is that by the 20th century, England was a democratic a democratic monarchy. And so there, while there was leadership function in the government, in the British government, more and more of the, of the, um, the monarchy existed for historical reasons and social reasons and, and a kind of a comfort to people uh, based on tradition rather than uh, them really having power to lead the country in any direct way. But watching this, you realize the deference and loyalty that those who work under, and this is true under the monarchy, who use the word your majesty, your lordship, um, this whole hierarchy of dukes and earls, the lower you go, the less the title, the less the power, and the less the justification of that power but the power is always over those who are lower in the hierarchy and always deferential and uncritical of those above, at least in public and to the face of those in lead. Our founding fathers were desperate that we should never have a monocle system, but they didn't really theorize, as I'm theorizing now, that in the tribal nature of human beings, it is very, very easy for power to move from the bottom to the top, a hierarchy to exist. And the justification of the use of that power to quash dissent, to, to uh, uh, solidify control. And what's so interesting is that no matter what the qualities actually are of leadership, how much knowledge, how much skill, they disappear with words such as Mr. President. They disappear from those who uh, accept the morality of the leader of those, that individual and that particular tribal group, that particular social group with its tribal underpinning. And as I have argued, we are moving in America, not to red and blue, but a kind of a tribalization that is hidden by the idea of that there's two colors involved here. And in this election, uh, a very authoritarian individual has ascended to power. And no matter what he did, no matter how his enemies and those who were critical of him were critical of his abilities, those who followed him ignored it absolutely ignored the, the nature of what his uh, abilities were or what he did morally. Whatever he did was correct, 
And when he said, I know more than the generals and only I can save you, the applause only got larger. Can't happen in a democracy unless it shifts to authoritarian. And again, one of the reasons I'm doing these series so close together is for us to have an awareness, each of us, that when we are authoritarian to our children, when we are authoritarian and we're involved in a religion that justifies authoritarian behavior of itself, or the politics and the politicians uh, who run the show uh, or lead the community, we are involved in a very difficult situation because the real skills, the real morality that might exist or other morality that might exist disappear. The further down you go, the more obedience, the more power is used coercively, if necessary, to keep the structure in place. And we watched uh, in this election where uh, finally Hillary Clinton, who might have spent most of her time talking about the particular processes by which she would try to get people back to work, disappeared, and it was Trump calling names of Hillary and Hillary calling names of Trump, and all over the television, which I talked about, these terrible news shows that aren't news shows, bringing on the acolytes, the minions, the the, uh, uh, the ass-kisses, those seeking curry to curry the favor of their leader, the so-called spokespeople. Uh, the so-called, uh, uh, what was the word that was used? Oh, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it skips me. And, and so what we had was a discussion about who was more moral to lead. And in the eyes of each tribe, their leader was more moral regardless, regardless of what other descriptions could be used of those individuals. Right? When men say they are morally, they are superior in all ways to women, and this justifies a man beating up a woman, uh, the mechanism is clear. It is innate. So often, religion is used to justify. And when you look at your own religion and your own religious beliefs, is it democratic? Is it truly the teachings of the prophets uh, of the older prophets, that, that it be based upon justice for all and fairness? Is it Jesus' uh, proclamation that all human beings uh, are equal uh, and, and deserve respect and love and, and tolerance? Or is it this notion that you are inferior, you are innately less than me, I, I comes to mind is the is the uh, society in India, uh, which is still trying to work through the extreme authoritarian nature of the Brahmins on top and the untouchables on the bottom, <clears throat> where people once defining themselves in moral terms, either as innately superior or innately inferior, stay in their role. They live out a story which does not allow criticism or change or real movement to change. 
So we can go through this in hundreds of different ways. I really don't want to. Um, just a couple of things in relationship to the psychology of politics and religion. Authoritarian. If you are a good child, you're an obedient child in the authoritarian system. You listen to your teachers. You don't question. You are big on believing, not seeking really answers to yourself. And one of the issues economically in this country are trying to help people through an educational, a democratic educational process to be able to find that place in their lives where they can be successful and earn a living and be creative at the same time because they're independent in their thought. Loyal to the group, their reference group, but at the same time independent and can criticize themselves and others not the blind obedience to uh, a power that defines them as bad, as wrong, as evil, if they oppose the power of the higher-up authorities. In religion, uh, in politics, the word traitor exists. If you are disobedient to the political leadership of your group, you're a traitor. If you are disobedient in your belief to the authoritarian religion, you are a heretic or an apostate. And we could see all over the world the slaughter of innocents who somebody accuses of being accused of being a heretic or actually questioning the nature of their religion. And in modern society, the politics of authoritarianism in the secular area is the whole mental health and psychiatric model, which says to you, you are deficient mentally, and we've come up with all kinds of wonderful uh, ideas such as this is a genetic problem, uh, this is a chemical problem, this is how you were born, <clears throat> and the best you can do is take the drugs that immobilize you to be obedient to whatever the system says is the correct way to live. A job, marriage, whatever it happens to be, whether it is for you or whether you're comfortable in it or whether you're happy in it. <clears throat> uh, there will always be a struggle about right and wrong in terms of how individuals wish to live. And there will always be politics. And unfortunately, unless we remove ourselves from the authoritarian thinking and stop using words about our children when they dis don't listen to us, that they're disobedient brats. And over the years, the things I have heard parents say to their children, you shouldn't have been born. You make me miserable. Uh, why did God ever give me someone like you? These words not only sting, but when they enter the self-image of the child, produce a life of terrible struggle and unhappiness and often end up either in the prison system as criminal or in the psychiatric mode of uh, being mentally ill in one way or another. There are so many other details I can go into this. I hope uh, I have now spent 20 minutes uh, I think that's enough for any particular broadcast. Nobody wants to call in. And, and well, I don't blame you. How would you know I even went on the air? I think I'm going to do another one.
uh, maybe at 4 o'clock, uh, if not a little bit tomorrow morning, early in the morning. Uh, I want to discuss also the, some of the psychology of economics uh, and issues related to uh, human, uh, um, the human dehumanization in the face of the machine and our intelligent uh, machines and robots. Um, so that'll be on my agenda. Okay. Um, I think that's it. I think I've done enough. I wish you a pleasant evening. Uh, the machines have just been turned off in my house that are trying to dry it from my internal flood. And uh, talk to you soon. Good night. Goodbye.